for that great song, Wayne, and that great reminder, because he lives. Uh, reminder we need very much uh, each day today. Glad again to welcome you all, those online, welcome as well. We have a good crowd here today on Memorial Day weekend, which means that we have some visitors with us and we have some of our folks visiting elsewhere. So if you're traveling, be safe and um, appreciate you spending time with us today in worshiping our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know uh, Wade, during our shepherd's prayer time, shared a little bit about uh, of what's going to be happening starting next Sunday in our worship assemblies. And we're going to try to uh, do some things that will help us be able to encourage one another as we focus our attention upon worshiping and praising our great God. So we're looking forward uh, to that in the coming weeks as well. Next Sunday also is a new quarter for our Bible classes. So if you haven't been attending Bible class, next week is a great Sunday to start. It's at 9 a.m., We'll be studying about God's goodness beginning in the book of Galatians this coming quarter. Also, in a couple of weeks, uh, Kelly Ross is going to be leading a singing class, and that's going to be taking place on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m., in addition to our other activities that we have on Sunday evening. So I believe that will be starting on June the 12th. So if you'd like to be a part of that, we look forward to that group. Uh, continuing to help us in our worship service and helping us as we sing praises to our God and our Lord. Uh, We have our summer series coming up starting this Wednesday. Speaking of singing, Chuck Munoz from Shiloh Road Church of Christ here in town will be with us and will be leading us in the chapel uh, with a wonderful song service, and we're excited about that and uh, looking forward to that. We also have camps coming up for our youth starting tomorrow. Uh, Donnie Cook will be taking some of our peewees to camp every day this coming week. Vacation Bible School is now scheduled. There's more about that in the bulletin. So lots of wonderful activities, wonderful ways that God is blessing us, uh, wonderful ways that we are seeking to do exactly what uh, Stan shared as we gathered around the table today and then as we remembered the opportunity and the blessing it is uh, to give financially to the work of the Lord. And there's a lot of that work that is going on. Of course, this is uh, Memorial Day weekend. It's an opportunity for us to pause and uh, remember. Memorial Day calls us to remember and to uh, be thankful. So I'm going to try to tell you the blanks to fill in in a very clear and precise way, since you're not going to get to see it at least for a few moments. Memorial Day, this is the first line, Memorial Day calls us to remember and be thankful. Of course, that's true of our servicemen. We remember those and think of those who have defended uh, the cause of freedom, who enable us to live with peace and joy and love and hope and blessing uh, in this world. And we're grateful for their sacrifice and for everything that they have done as they seek to uh, uh, help and encourage us uh, and provide that for us. And they have given some of them, many of them, the ultimate sacrifice. And so we're grateful for them and their families. We're thankful for our law enforcement that helps keep our lives uh, safe. We're thankful for uh, all of those that are first responders that enable us and allow us to be able to uh, have the help that we need uh, when we need it. And I think Memorial Day is a great opportunity for us to remember 
and to be thankful. And it's also a great opportunity for us to remember our own church family and others who have been in our lives who have enabled us and helped us uh, to find that faith and to see it lived out. Earlier this year, we remembered those that we have lost that were members of our church family over the last couple of years in 2020 and 2021. And there were over 20 people that we especially remembered, many of them very core leaders of this church, all of them members here. And we have lost, of course, some since then, and we continue to remember them and to seek uh, God's care for those that they have left uh, behind. And so Memorial Day does that. It calls us to remember, and it calls us to be thankful So let's think about memorials uh, this morning. Memorials call us to remember. That's the first step. That's one of the things that uh, memorials do. They call us to remember. That's true of gravestones. When you go and visit a loved one, a family member, and you go and visit their grave, it calls us to remember. It calls us to remember their life. It calls us to remember the relationship that we shared with them. Uh, Many times when there is a traffic accident, you'll see a cross or a wreath or something placed there at that scene. And it allows us to, uh, it calls us to remember. And we think about the horrible uh, shooting in Uvalde. Uh, Wade mentioned that during our shepherd's prayer and other recent uh, shootings. And it's it's a very horrible, sad thing. And typically when that happens, there are memorials that are set up. Uh, somewhere related uh, to that scene. And that is a, it's a wonderful thing that we do that so that we can remember. Memorials call us to remember. They call us to remember. The Lord's Supper that we re- just took just a few moments ago uh, calls us to remember. It calls us to remember the Lord and the great blessing and sacrifice that he made for us But it also calls us and allows us and enables us uh, to remember the great hope that we have in Christ. Memorials call us to remember. So a couple of things about that. First of all, to remember the dead. Memorials call us to remember. But first of all, they call us to remember the dead. They call us to remember those who have sacrificed Memorial Day. They call us to remember those who have passed away and our loved ones and our families as we consider that as we stand at their grave. Memorials call us to remember, first of all, to remember the dead, and then secondly, to remember the living. Memorials call us to remember the living. Now, that may be one that um, you're a little bit unfamiliar with. We're behind a couple of slides on there, guys, so thought that you would uh, be able to catch up with us. Memorials call us to remember. Remember the dead. We get that one. But what about remember the living? And this is what I would like to stress this morning and to remind us to, uh, uh, to think about that those memorials are not just something that call us to Think of those who have passed on, those who have sacrificed so much, and it's right that we do that, absolutely. But memorials also call us to remember the living. They call us to consider ourselves, our own lives, 
and how we're living in light of the sacrifices that were made for us, in light of those loved ones that have passed on and have given us such a great heritage of faith, a great example to follow. In some cases, who have demonstrated to us some some things maybe that we shouldn't do as we live our lives. Memorials call us to remember, to remember the dead, but also to remember the living. And so a couple of things about that, this familiar statement, a time to be born and a time to die. That's the next blanks, the next line on your outline, a time to be born and a time uh, to die. And of course, many of us who have been around for a few decades remember a wonderful song uh, a while back, um, To Everything Turn, Turn. We remember that great song by the birds, but it's taken right out of Ecclesiastes 3. We find that in the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes 3 that begins that passage with these words, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. If you're following along in the daily Bible with F. Lagarde Smith or with some other daily Bible reading, you may be in Ecclesiastes right now. That's exactly where we are, looking at this great search for meaning and purpose in life that the wise man, King Solomon, not only experienced in his life and lived out, but then wrote about as well. And he talks about that in chapter 3, that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. The writer of Hebrews acknowledges that as well. In Hebrews 9, verse 27, people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. I know the saying, there's only two things in life that are certain. What are they? Death and taxes. Boy, you got that one pretty well. (laughs) Boy, you want audience participation. Start talking about taxes, apparently. Two things in life that are certain, death and taxes. Well, we certainly know that death is a certainty. There's a time to be born and a time to die. And then the writer of Hebrews follows that up with this statement. Everyone is appointed to die and then to face judgment. That's something that's true of the good and the bad, the rich and the poor, male and female, whatever the racial background, all of us as humans one day will die unless we're living when the Lord returns. And after that, we will face judgment. So there is a time to be born and a time uh, to die. And um, uh, this next line is taken from uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, Indiana Jones. And it's one of the great lines from that movie, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? I love that scene. I love that scene. You see Indiana Jones here, the great Harrison Ford. And you know the story, right? In Indiana Jones, the first one, he's searching for the lost Ark of the Covenant. So our ears immediately perk up and we want to watch that movie. That's kind of fun. And, and so it, he's looking for the Ark of the Covenant. He's finally found the well of the souls. He's figured out exactly where it is. They've, they've dug down where they can uh, look down there. And so now he looks down into that hole and he sees something kind of strange on the ground. So he drops a a torch down there and he just sees what looks like hundreds of snakes. And he just turns over and he says, snakes, 
Why did it have to be snakes? And then he is finally able to be lowered down, and he meets this guy right here, (laughs) right off the bat, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Well, you know, some of the Old Testament Jews in Moses' day made that exact statement. In Numbers Numbers chapter 21 is a story of an incident while they're going through the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness before they get to the promised land, before Joshua leads them across the Jordan River into Canaan. But during that time, they're really struggling with their faith. And in Numbers 21 is one of the stories that talk about that. Numbers 21, beginning in verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses. And said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food, which was called what? Manna, which God provided them for by his grace. They're even griping about that. Verse 6. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. (laughs) Now, the Israelites really needed this, right? Because they were constantly griping and whining and complaining to Moses and to God about how he was delivering them from Egyptian bondage and how he was providing for them in the wilderness. And so at one of those points where God had had enough, he sent these poisonous snakes. Everyone who died, everyone who was bitten died. And that kind of got their attention, much like this snake got uh, Indiana Jones's attention. And so they go to Moses and they say, we sinned. We have done wrong. We're sorry. We spoke against God. We spoke against you. And we are sorry. Please pray to the Lord to take these snakes away from us. And it's always been interesting to me that God could have reacted in a few different ways. He could have decided, okay, I'll give them what they asked for. I'll take all the snakes away. I'll kill them all. They'll be gone. No one gets bitten or is threatened to be bitten anymore. Or he could have allowed the snakes to go ahead and remain there to bite them even, but that they would not die. The bites would no longer be fatal. He could have delivered them that way. Or he could have delivered them the way he chose. (laughs) He told Moses, make a snake. Moses made a snake of, of bronze, a brass snake. Make it big, lift it up. So that everyone, everywhere can see it. And then when they are bitten, God didn't take the snakes away, nor did he keep them from biting them. When they are bitten, even if they are bitten, if they will look, and I think the idea is with faith, on this bronze snake that you have built, they will not die. God didn't take the, the threat away. The snakes were still there. They were still biting people. But he provided a way for them, even in that reality, to be saved and to live. Unfortunately, 
the Israelites began years later to trust in this memorial, in this bronze snake, rather than in the God who delivered them, that that snake pointed to. And so in 2 Kings chapter 18, we find these words, King Hezekiah in the 700s BC, King Hezekiah broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. They had begun to worship this bronze snake, this symbol, this memorial, rather than the God who was actually the power that delivered them. This coming Sunday, I'm going to be beginning a, uh, a series of lessons on the Ten Commandments that will go throughout the summer, calling it the Ten Questions, so I'll talk about that next week. But one of our big problems is the same one that the Israelites had, and that is that we have a, 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 a temptation to worship something else as God that's not God, or to even worship the one true and living God, and yet not give him the credit and the power and the trust and the faith that he deserves, that he is worthy of. That's what the Israelites were doing here. That's what we do so often, selling God short. When they worshiped this idol, this memorial, this bronze snake, that's exactly what they were doing. Well, When we turn to the New Testament, to the familiar passage of John chapter 3, there is a connection. For God so loved the world. The verse that everyone knows, right, and can quote, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Well, that verse is in the context of the same story that we just read about in Numbers 21. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, Jesus says, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We're all familiar with that verse in John three sixteen, but we forget that context. From Numbers 21, when Moses lifted up that snake in the desert, lifted high so that everyone could look on it with eyes of faith, believing that God would save them, even though they had been bitten, And he did. He did. And so Jesus looks back at that story and and talks about himself and says, just like Moses lifted up, raised up that bronze snake in the desert, in the wilderness, and it saved people by the power of God, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who looks upon him with eyes of obedient faith will be saved, will not die, but will live for eternity. We know that story of how Jesus was betrayed and then deceived and then forsaken and then on horrible false charges, condemned to death by the governor Pilate and put to death on the cross. And as they nailed him to that cross, and then they took that cross and they put it in the hole in the ground that they had dug for just that purpose 
And Jesus was lifted up. Just like that snake. Lifted up. For all who wanted to see with eyes of faith and be saved. Romans 5 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, that one who has been lifted up, we might receive the righteousness of God. That's the salvation that Stan shared about as we gathered around the table, remembering that one event that saves us from our sins. Again, looking back to Hebrews chapter 9, the writer of Hebrews said in verse 27, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, well, we know there's more to that sentence, right? And there is, and we're all thankful. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear again a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So it's appointed to everyone to die, but it doesn't end there. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Yes, to face judgment, but that judgment is not a bad thing for us. That judgment is vindication, not because of our good lives at all, but because of the good life of the one who was lifted up, raised up for us, the one that we have turned to, the one that we have looked to with eyes of faith and trusted in so that we too can be saved and not die. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And we remember that. We remember that. Remembering the dead as we begin to close today. Remembering the dead helps remind the living how to live. Again, as we think about memorials, they're for the dead, but they also help us to remember the living, and they they call us to take a look at our lives. Remembering the dead helps remind the living how to live, and that was what was so significant, I believe, about Wade's prayer. As he prayed very passionately for us to remember and for God to act in this world that's so difficult that that's so sinful, that Satan is so very well active in. Exactly right. And so memorials help us to remember not just the dead, but the living, including how we are living. It helps to remind us how to live. Memorial Day does that. Let's make the sacrifices that were made for us worthwhile by living lives that are worthy. When we drive by those intersections like um, that little S-curve between on Grande between Old Jacksonville and Broadway, you always see a cross or two or three there. Why? Because it's such a dangerous spot. It reminds the living how to live, to drive with caution, to be careful, to be aware, to slow down. Memorials help remind the living how to live. Gravestones do the same thing. Those flowers that are up by the horrible sites of of shooting, such as in Uvalde and in Buffalo and in other places, remind the living how to live, that we are to live according to the second great commandment, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the Lord's Supper helps us to do that because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, life is worth the living just because he 
lives. That memorial does that. It helps us to remember the one who died for us, but it reminds us how we should live today. So three things to remember this morning. First of all, remember to be devoted to God. Jesus said the first and great commandment was to love the Lord your God. The first two of the, of the Ten Commandments talk about our loving and serving and obeying and worshiping the one true and living God. Remember to be devoted to God. Secondly, remember to serve others. Remember to serve others. Remember to obey that second great commandment. And memorials help to remind us that we are to live not for ourselves, not selfishly, but unselfishly, for the sake of others. Remember to be devoted to God. Remember to serve others. And then thirdly, remember to look toward heaven. Remember to look toward heaven. We spoke in our, some of our Bible classes this morning about Paul being taken up and having this incredible experience of being taken up to paradise, to seeing the third heaven, as he called it. And what an incredible blessing that must have been. And I'm sure that throughout the rest of his life, he was looking toward that place. And that's what we're called to do as well. Live our lives every day looking toward heaven. Remember to be devoted to God. Remember to serve others. Remember to look toward heaven. God, others, heaven. If we can help you to remember to live that way, come as we stand, sing our song together.